0: When it comes to fighting abortion, we can't just do anything. We need to be smart. We need to find this strategy that will actually end abortion. Throughout history, whenever great injustices existed, youth movements have risen up to combat and end those injustices.
1: You have organizations out there like the Centre for Bioethical Reform. The Centre for Bioethical Reform. Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform. Organizations like the Centre for Bioethical Reform to receive public funds when they then use to attack a woman's right to choose. Abortion kills all kinds of people, so then... All kinds of people can join the pro-life movement to save these babies. I was talking to a young man on the streets of Toronto.
2: I spoke with a woman named Lucy about abortion.
0: Today we are doing Choice Chain in downtown Regina.
2: By the end of the conversation, she was completely pro-life.
0: He then walked away 100% pro-life.
2: Completely pro-life.
0: We should remember that each of those babies that die every day in Canada not only have the right to life that's being violated, they also have the right to artifacts. Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Pro-Life Podcast. I am the host of the show, my name is Peter, and with me in studio once again is the co-host, the one and only Cameron Cote. Good to see you, sir. It is good to be back. I am back inside. We have snow
1: in Calgary. Officially, we we're out doing Joyce chain on Saturday at Chinook Mall, as we often do on Saturdays, and it was frigidly cold, the first choice chain of the year, and the snow is always a bit cold, but... Uh, we still had some minds changed. My, my colleague Quiana, um, had a long conversation with two girls and while it took 45 minutes or so longer than most conversations, she was able to bring them both around to rejecting abortion as a human rights violation. And so it was a good day. Um, all the, the bitter cold winds were worth it because there's a couple more people who are now completely pro-life.
0: Yeah, that's sweet. I had the opportunity of joining our interns on the streets. Um, always, always good to do that. And, uh, I, I, one of the projects I did with them was banner project where we uh, showed uh, vehicle traffic the reality of abortion by using the big banners that we use, and uh, it was really good. Um, contemplating uh, all that we were doing, you know, it's we, we had a I had a few conversations, but not very many. Uh, but just thinking about where the culture's at and why we really need to continue fighting abortion here in Canada, and that and that really makes me think of that opening quote that I started with. Uh, a quote that was spoken by our wonderful colleague, Blaise Elaine, uh, who's, who's joined us for the podcast today. But talking about when we fight abortion, you know, can we can we just do anything or do we need to be particular and do we need to be intentional about the work that we're doing? So I'm excited to have Blaze on. Blaze is the Eastern Outreach Director here at the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform. He has been fighting abortion for a lot longer than CCBR has been in Toronto, uh, doing a lot of great things, as you'll learn uh, very shortly and he happens to be my boss so you got to make sure i behave as we do this episode here uh as he's watching what i'm doing i going to
1: say you you got to be a little bit nervous with your boss coming on um <laughs> but for real Blaze is awesome he's an incredible dude um i would say a jack of all trades but i don't think the jack quite does service to how incredible blaze is that's right Um, for anybody who's who's been involved with toronto right to life or toronto against abortion or university of toronto students for life or ccbr you probably know about blaze he's an incredible dude but he's not just incredible when it comes to pro-life apologetics he can he can school you at a game of chess, as he did to me very, very quickly, um, the one game that we've played online. Um, he's a musician. He is a software engineer or computer scientist or whatever he is. The dude is brilliant. <laughs> and so I'm super excited to have him on as well, um, because he has so much incredible insight and experience in how... We can be as effective as we possibly can.
0: Yeah, my, one of my one of my moments, uh, you know, that I'm really happy about is there was a game of chess that I actually did beat Blaze at. We we played a number of, of games of chess online. He beat me at most of them, uh, except for one. So I'm pretty happy about that because he is a pretty phenomenal chess player. Oh
1: my my claim to fame is Alex and I were talking. My colleague Alex, who's in the office beside me here in Calgary, he and I were talking to Blaze. I, I think it was about. Um, helping community groups or something like that. And and Blaze had the expression of like, oh, that's a really good way to think of that. Um, I, I hadn't thought of that before. And after the call, Alex looks at me and he said, Cam, you thought of something that Blaze hadn't thought of before. Good job. And he meant that in all sincerity. That wasn't supposed to be a, a, an offensive <laughs> or, or slight towards me. He was just like, dude, Blaze thinks of everything. And you thought of something that he hadn't thought of. That That's really, really smart. Um, and so that's my claim to fame. Claim to fame, I thought of something that Blaze hadn't thought of before. Um, you beat him in a game of chess. Hold that close to your heart, I'm sure.
0: Oh, I I do. <laughs> uh, but let's let's dive in as we talk about uh, the strategies that we can use to fight abortion where we are. Blaze, good to see you, sir. Good to see you too, Peter. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, as we begin, could you tell us uh, and our listeners a little bit about who you are? and how you got involved in the pro-life movement
2: all right um so i've grown up in the toronto area all my life and i grew up uh pro-life by default uh what it, what it wasn't my main focus for a long time i studied computer science and, and i'm a musician i did you know I was focused on other things but um when i hit university at the university of toronto um I was interested enough in the pro-life movement to kind of go looking for the club, to hear about the club, to be interested in joining. And uh, that's where I really got uh, activated and I first got connected with um, uh, with the broader pro-life movement through the campus club at U of T, uh, including uh, CCBR and Toronto Right to Life, and a whole bunch of other pro-life organizations. So my first year of undergrad back in 2005, uh, that's where I really got active and then uh, spent 15 years being involved with the campus pro-life club through an undergrad and my master's but in particular when i finished my undergrad i didn't have plans to stay in school for another degree at the time so um that's when uh in 2009-10 i wanted to stay involved in the pro-life movement after being a student and that's when i got uh involved with toronto right to life and started volunteering and running ccbr's projects out of toronto and uh, I guess it's been 15 years for me, 10 years as a volunteer, and then the last uh, four or five as a staff member working full-time in the pro-life movement here in the greater Toronto area. That's awesome.
1: And and I find it so interesting how, I mean, that in some ways, that's a similar story to some of the other guests we've had on already, that really they didn't begin being actively pro-life or, or going out and talking to their peers and whatnot until they got to university. Obviously, we hear a ton of statistics about how, so many people, whether Christian or some other faith background or, or no faith background, but going into university pro-life, um, they they walk on a university completely supportive of abortion. And, and before we dive into the topic of today, I'm just curious, like, what what kind of um, response you got, I, I guess, or what that what that adjustment was to, to getting into university. I'm sure there were some lots of different things pulling at your attention and really realizing that um, getting involved in the pro-life movement, getting involved in the pro-life club on campus when there's lots of other things that you could have gotten involved in music or, or more computer science kind of stuff. What was it that kind of kept you involved? I guess the, the initial, I got involved because I felt like maybe I, I needed to, or something that i would always had in the back of my mind, but what kind of kept you
2: involved while you were at campus, I guess? Right, so I think for me, there were two stages of getting involved and they both involved two things. They both involved abortion victim photography and pro-life apologetics. So the first step was actually in high school because when I was in grade 10, um, when we were doing uh, ethics, uh, we had a whole bunch of different debates in class on different topics and I was assigned uh, to the abortion issue on the pro-life side. And it was grade 10, researching abortion, like I I grew up pro-life by default, but I never really looked into the issue. So the first time I looked into it, I remember discovering the partial birth abortion procedure, being horrified by it. And when I went back to look at my high school notes a few years ago, I had actually printed out a diagram, put it up on the overhead projector in my opening statement uh, to show what abortion was to the class when defending the pro-life position. And it was also talking to my mom about the abortion issue and finding out that, you know, she had faced five challenging pregnancies herself. Uh, She was pregnant with me in medical school. She had two miscarriages. Uh, She was given her last rights when in the hospital with my sister. It wasn't clear if her or my sister would make it out. And then my younger brother was a high-risk pregnancy. And the doctor had uh, suggested abortion. Instead, she went and found another physician who was willing to help her through a high-risk pregnancy and um, the choices that she made along the way uh, where abortion was unthinkable for her despite the challenges she faced so that personal story and um, seeing the horror of abortion really convicted me so that by the time i got to university i was convicted about the issue but i wasn't really active like i wasn't doing much except for you know having some conversations in a in in a few online forums which is valuable but you know, it was just kind of like a, a starting point. Um, when I got to campus, like that's why I was interested in the pro-life club. But I think what kept me there, what kept me involved and in getting more and more involved year after year would be again, abortion victim photography. So I remember seeing an abortion video uh, at a U of T Students for Life meeting. I think it might've been the hard truth from the Center for Bioethical Reform or one of those videos. And then, uh, Participating in what's what's now the Abortion Awareness Project, which we used to run on campus once a year, where we would show abortion victim photography to the community at U of T and employ pro life apologetics to engage in conversation. And I remember showing up uh, that that day towards the end of my first year, and I was kind of unsure and nervous, and I didn't identify myself as a volunteer. I was just going, I was just going to listen in and um, and see what it was like. And then I remember skipping all my classes for the day and just talking to people about abortion all day long, right? And just seeing seeing the impact how you could change hearts and minds by showing the truth about abortion, the humanity of the preborn child, the inhumanity of abortion and by uh you know engaging in conversation and science and human rights. So it's like seeing you know seeing effective pro-life strategy put into action, I guess, that got me hooked after I was already convicted by the horror of abortion. And then um you know, I, I guess you can't discount the uh, the value of community and friends too, right? Like being involved in the campus club. My eldest son, his godmother was a club president, you know, a few of T students for life. And one of my good friends from back then, like I still, there's still, still people I keep in touch with 15 years later from that club. So, you know, having a strong community of people who are, Convicted in the same way and engaged in doing the same kind of work goes a long way to keeping you involved as well. I think that's awesome. And and I just
1: a quick part on that end note. I I often have to catch myself because sometimes in presentations or even on this podcast, I'm sure I've said that using abortion victim photography doesn't make very many friends. But definitely along those lines, that that the friends that you do make are often your best friends ever. Um, and and that sounds cheesy, but like uh, I got the same same experience for the the campus pro-life club that I was part of at University of Victoria. And obviously, Three of us here at CCBR—we're um, not just um, pretending for the sake of the audience. Like you guys are, are two of my closest friends, and and yeah, the the community that goes along with some of the the more strenuous, but as as hopefully we'll get into very effective pro life strategy, very effective pro life work, really draws people together. I guess.
2: Yeah, for sure, and and for me too, being a true student for life, like being with a club for 15 years through two degrees, it, it it's not just a one off. Like it wasn't just my peers who, uh, you know, were, were in the same year as me in UFT, But I can look back to so many of my close friends um, while I was doing my master's and they were undergrad students and we had an age gap. We were at different stages in life, but it was because of the pro-life work that we were doing that, you know, forged these kind of bonds. So I have, I have friendships from, you know, 10 or 15 years because of, of that community.
0: Yeah, I hate to bring up the internships again because I know I do it regularly on the podcast, but uh, we have the same experience with the internships as well. Um, I've been a part of internships since 2015 and, and have friends from pretty much every year still. And I know, uh, the interns themselves, uh, in the community that they live in and work in, uh, most certainly become friends and go to each other's weddings and, uh, hang out regularly as often as possible. Um, because often we live on opposite sides of the country, but okay. So earlier blaze, you talked a little bit about working in this pro life strategy, the strategy to end the killing. Uh, on episode three, we had Jonathan on, our colleague Jonathan Van Maren, and he talked with us a little bit about the strategy that CCBR developed uh, about a decade ago when they sat down and tried to figure out what, what, are some, what is some effective work that we can do here in Canada that um, isn't just you know, work that we're doing, but work that uh, is going to change minds, that is effective, uh, that is going to save lives and uh, work where we're going to see change. Uh, as we continually progress. Now, uh, you were doing this work well before CCBR moved across the country to Toronto, uh, but you had done extensive uh, research, perhaps. I know you had put a lot of thought into uh, developing pro-life strategy, strategy that we can use to end abortion, I think not just in Toronto, from what you're thinking, but also in Canada. So we'd love to pick your brain a little bit about that strategy, but just to start us off, Blaze, could you share with us how did you start thinking about strategy it's easy to to get involved in, in various ways um you know it's easy to to do AAP, ap uh, abortion awareness project and and uh the different projects but when you were thinking about strategy about building a movement um how did some of those thoughts go yeah it's
2: a really interesting question so i mean i i my first contact with ccbr was you know back in 2005 six so several years before ccbr had an end the killing plan um, and uh, I was really inspired by CCBR's founders, uh, Stephanie Gray and Jojo Ruba. Um, you know, uh, although CCBR was Calgary-based, um, you know, they, they uh, had come out to the tr- uh, U- University of Toronto at different times to do trainings or uh, to debate professors or give uh, lectures and stuff. And I was really inspired by CCBR in that first decade of CCBR, it was kind of in the second half there. Um, I remember reading a document off the CCBR website um, about pro-life strategy, about uh, reforming our movement, reforming our culture. That was the first thing that really impacted me because it was really taking a critical look, a constructively critical look at uh, pro-life strategy, especially for the educational arm of the movement. Right? In terms of um, uh, you know things like you know we have to think about the frequency of our activities. We have to think: Are we providing clear reasons and compelling evidence that's actually going to change people's minds? Um, are we reaching our target audience? Who is our target audience, right? And just asking all these kinds of questions and doing a kind of critical analysis, that that really got me thinking uh, critically about strategy. And I think, um, uh, you know, from, from an outside view, I could see uh, that document, you know, a few years later, uh, the, the, the next big document to inspire me was the End the Killing Plan, right? Was sort of uh, CCBR taking that critical analysis to heart and putting together a plan to reach everyone in the country with abortion victim photography and human rights apologetics, and I remember being inspired by that. But I also remember I almost, you know, didn't take it seriously in, in in the way that it didn't like register in my brain. Like I remember reading the document in 2011 and being like, "Whoa!" Like CCBR is coming to Toronto too. They're going to reach everyone in Toronto. Oh, that's that's kind of neat. And then, um, you know, later that year or the year afterwards, I remember it came up again, and I sort of forgot that CCBR was coming to Toronto because I just it just seemed like a pipe dream. But um, I guess what inspired me about the End the Killing Plan, you know, a, a, a vision driven strategy to reach, to make abortion unthinkable across Canada by reaching everyone with AVP, abortion victim photography and apologetics is seeing, like, like I, I had already seen uh, the effectiveness of CCBR's approach before the End the Killing Plan, uh, you know, doing uh, annual activism, but seeing the explosive growth, seeing CCBR spread across the country um, seeing the momentum and feeling that in Toronto as the new abortion caravan uh, came through uh, Toronto and I also volunteered in Ottawa um, in, in 2012, you know, feeling that energy, seeing that growth and uh, uh, trying to pick that up uh, locally in Toronto as well. Like when I was an undergrad, the only kind of activism project that ccbr made available was what's now the abortion awareness project like a, a large display that's great for campuses but it takes kind of a full day to set up so with the launch of the end and killing plan um ccbr launched projects like choice chain and it was way easier for me as a student at uft to pick up six choice chain signs put them in the club's office and you know get five or six people who could come out for an hour in between classes to do activism right we need we didn't need to book a patio uh, for an entire day um, it became way easier to actually reach everyone in our community with more frequent activism that could actually get to our target audience right so uh, like I guess I was inspired by CCBR from a distance seeing the strategy get uh, better and better and seeing it grow across the country and then picking it up and putting it into practice locally in Toronto and seeing it work here too
0: I have an article in front of me titled Towards a Theory of Change that you wrote several years ago. And one of the things that you wrote in this article, Blaze, is it's a long paragraph, so bear with me. You ask, what can we do that could abolish abortion? Let's recriminalize abortion. Just change the law back. Write your MP, write a blog post, go on social media, march, hold a sign, hand out some pamphlets, hold a conference, host a speaker, put some posters or ads up. These are all actions we can do as we look around us. Some of these actions might reach people and change their minds or even save lives. None of these scattered actions will fundamentally change anything. So as I was reading that, I I was thinking about another talk that you had given before. Um, I, I can't remember what you had titled it, Theory of Change. Perhaps uh, that's what I remember it as. And you you differentiate between a theory of change versus a theory of action. In this in this paragraph that you wrote, you're talking about a lot of actions, a lot of things that we can do. But then you you highlight the importance within the article about a theory of change. Could you share with us a little bit about a theory of action? Just highlight what a theory of, of action is. And then why is a theory of change more important when we're thinking about strategies that will actually
2: end abortion? Yeah, so... As I was being inspired by CCBR strategy, the AVP and apologetics, and uh, the end of killing plan from a distance, this was 2015 that um, in my kind of technologist capacity, I was uh, reading a blog post from the late great internet activist, Aaron Schwartz, and he started talking about theory of change, which is um, like, you can get textbooks on theory of change thinking it's, it's uh, a way of vision driven, strategic thinking that Works backwards from a goal to identify what must be done in order to achieve it, um, and and then he came up with the term theory of action to kind of contrast that with another way of doing things. And when I read that blog post, I immediately related it to pro life strategy, right? So um, a theory of action, uh, you know, in Aaron Schwartz's term, is um, you know looking around us and asking, what can I do, right? What actions can I take right now? and uh, you know that might reach the goal and let's start there let's 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 figure out what i can do and see if it'll take us to the goal and um schwartz you know identifies that as a problem with a lot of human thinking it's just a natural way that we often operate this is not exclusive to the pro-life movement um uh this is just you know in in any kind of movement or in any kind of human action we start by asking what can i do but he contrasted that with theory of change thinking which instead of starting from asking, what can I do? It starts with the question, what must be done? It starts with the goal. It starts with the goal and starts by asking, what must be done to achieve the goal? And then what must be done to achieve that? And what must be done to achieve that? And working backwards, step by step, until you actually get to a concrete action that you can take that's linked on a path towards your goal. So when I read that blog post from Aaron Schwartz, um, I wrote that article towards the theory of change, just connecting Aaron's idea with CCBRs and the killing plan, because I could just see that vision driven strategy. I was like, ah, that's what it is that I find so inspiring and so effective about CCBRs and the killing plan, uh, here at the university of Toronto, when we put it in action, when I see it happening across the country, you know, it's the difference between, um, not just, uh, looking around and seeing what actions we can take, but actually figuring out what's necessary to do and working back through all of the steps until we have a complete plan with a path towards our goal. And um, for me, with U of T Students for Life at the time, uh, we were a couple years in to doing more regular activism. We had started off, um, we moved for annual activism to once a semester, and then around 2013 or 2014, uh, with the launch of the Choice Chain project a few years prior, we were going out once a month to reach our campus. But that fall 2015, when I wrote that article, that's when we had it, had enough people on our team that we were active weekly. And we started noticing a big difference on campus. I remember somebody, this is October, right? So we've only been active for about a month. And somebody says, you know, I've seen you guys at the subway station. I've seen you guys at the clubs fair. I've seen you here. Right. And, you know, we'd only been out for for four or five weeks, but to notice that difference, right, about making abortion impossible to ignore and reaching everyone. There was someone that fall who had come up to one of our volunteers and said, you know, I, I've seen you from a distance. And I thought, well, I mean, you know, uh, abortion, it should be someone's choice. But then, you know, I looked at the photo and I'm like, well, why would you show a photo like that? And then I'm like, well, I guess they're thinking like, well, why would you do something like that? And it's like, well, what if somebody's in a difficult situation? And the guy, the guy talked to our volunteer for about five minutes, total monologue, and just walked through how he had changed his mind on abortion by just reflecting on the photo, right? So for me at that point, you know, I'm a volunteer, uh, a a grad student at U of T, and we're putting the End the Killing Plan in practice by showing up on our campus regularly with AVP and bringing apologetics to the students. And I could see it change our community. I could see it transforming our community. And I could see that as a kind of microcosm for the and the killing plan in the way that it was working to make abortion unthinkable across Canada. So that difference between a the theory of action and theory of change, it just, it just clicked. It made sense to me because with my experience in the club in years prior, you know there were, there were many years where we, uh, before we, we had more of a theory of action, right? We're just like, well, what stuff can we do as students, right? There's only so much we can do, what can we do? But once we got that theory of change thinking, well, hold on, what's necessary to transform our campus? Um, the growth was was exponential. The momentum was just undeniable. And feeling that, um, seeing that difference, um, I think that that perspective is so critical. When you switch from your starting point being a theory of action, what can I do, to having your starting point being a theory of change, what must be done, and to have that vision-driven thinking that works backwards from the goal so that all of our actions are connected up on a path Towards actually achieving our vision.
1: Yeah, and and that's got to be inspiring for the the volunteers. Like you, as one of the coordinators, I'm sure that that's impressive to be able to see on a weekly basis what's changing. But even to be able to present that to a volunteer, I know that, um, I've I've worked with with dozens of different community-based groups, um, some that are using abortion victim photography, some that aren't, um, but are are kind of implementing that theory of action. They're just, um, I mean, we've got these supplies. We're just going to go out there. And they have a really difficult time even recruiting people to come out. And they say, but, but Cam, we're, we're changing minds every time. Why can't we get people to come out to our activism? I'm sure that having concrete goals and showing participants in that activism the trajectory that you're on towards actually achieving something that is going to take a step towards making abortion unthinkable—that's got to be inspiring for the volunteer who's only able to come out the the once a week or the once a month sort of thing—and know that their time investment of of time and energy is actually contributing towards moving the the movement forward, as it were, actually um, changing the the reading on the the thermometer sort of thing in, in the country, right? Like that's got to build up. Um, the, the community that's existing, and make recruitment even easier, right? When you can pitch change to people and not just um, mobilization, I suppose, right?
2: Yeah, and then, and then see it in practice, too, right? So, you know, a, a few years prior uh, um, with, U, with U of T Students for Life, I remember, you know, some of the conversations around the club executive. So I, I was I was the technology officer and then the education coordinator for, for, for several years with the club on the executive. And I remember some of the conversations, you know, a few years prior before we had really adopted that theory of change thinking. And it was kind of like, you know, uh, we're raising awareness for the pro-life cause on campus, right? Or we're standing up for the right to life. And like, that stuff is true, but that doesn't capture the whole vision. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't capture, you know, an idea that um, we're gonna change this campus and we have an actual plan, a specific plan on how to do it. When inspired by the end the killing plan and the theory of change thinking, we were able to better articulate and employ better strategy, and be like, you know what, our mission here is to transform our our community. You know, to make abortion unthinkable here. And in order to do that, we need to make abortion impossible to ignore. We need to reach everyone with AVP and apologetics, and then working backwards with the goal and having all of our actions as a club being oriented towards that goal just gives people a real sense of mission. And we 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 talk about. Um, the importance of friends, right? Like even the social aspect works in there. Because when you work backwards from the goal and you're like, we need to reach everyone, we need to be active, we need to be active, say, about once a week if, if we want to make abortion impossible to ignore in a community this size. In order to do that, we need so many volunteers, right? And working backwards from the goal, eventually you, you get to the point where it's like, well, you know what? We need to have community in order for people to sign up and for people to want to stay, right? So we, we started deliberately, uh, you know, working... Uh, like like the, the the three prongs of our approach was activism. That's the thing that, that needed to be done. But in order to do activism, we needed to have seminars and socials. We needed to train our team to be equipped and then to have the social time to be able to be friends and have a community to have a strong activism team, right? So working backwards for the goal, it just informed everything we were doing as a club. You have a sense of mission, a sense of intentionality in everything that you're doing. And then people can see that, they can feel that. You can, you can see the change happen at a local level quickly. Like, um, you know, with friends at um, at Ryerson or at Western or at U of T's Mississauga campus, uh, you know, I I saw them employ a similar theory of change. And it took about two hours of activism to really notice a difference. Like two hours of activism, you know, start getting the campus media coverage and to start, um, you know, uh, getting uh, a response from the opposition, which means that you're making abortion impossible to ignore. You know, to, to start getting to the point where you can feel that the abortion issue is uh, front of mind on campus. And then week after week, month after month, just start to see the change, to hear the stories and minds change. Like you can see the strategy work out in, pra- in, in practice in a small community like that. And then it makes sense. You're part of, you're doing your local part to make abortion unthinkable across the country, right? It's, it's really inspiring to, to, to see those results and to have that sense of mission and to be part of um, a plan that's not just doing doing a little bit here or there when you can, but you're doing your bit as part of a bigger plan to change the country.
1: Totally. And, and I think that's so important, right? For for the, the small community groups and campus clubs and whatever they may be, um, y- you don't need to be a CCBR with a national presence to be able to make a difference, right? That this is going to rely on countless different groups and and hundreds of thousands of individuals kind of implementing this in their own personal life um this might be a bit of a tangent and and i'm gonna warn peter on this because this isn't in our show notes at all um i'd be interested in your thoughts on a quote from a good friend of ours scott hayward uh co-founder and and i think he's president of right now so i i was speaking at a at a conference with him a, a symposium put on by national campus life network about the importance of quantification, the the importance of actually documenting change and actually trying to track the the success and results that you're having. Obviously it's fantastic to go out there and and as three of us can acknowledge, um, logging testimonies and whatnot can be really difficult um, to, to stay motivated on. Do you think there is value, and, and if so, what is the value in actually tracking the progress, not only for yourself as the leader, but for the community as well? Certainly within the span of the activism, you can see people changing their minds um, while you're out there. And if you do that frequently enough, you're, you've you got this kind of background abstract idea that you're making your campus, your community, your country more and more pro-life. What is the value in kind of tracking um, the the number of people reached or the, the number of uh, events or demonstrations that you've done or, or things like that, um, that can actually help you as the leader and your team continue to do something that that may not be the most comfortable
2: thing for them. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So metrics are so essential for a theory of change thinking. I, I use the term theory of change and theory of action a lot because I love just um, how that captures the, the difference in perspective. Um, I haven't uh, Dived super deep into you know the actual like textbooks and academic research and stuff and, and and strategic planning on theory of change. But I've looked at it a little bit, and metrics are essential to a theory of change thinking, and it's one of the benefits of a theory of change versus theory of action style thinking, right? So, um, let's say your goal is G, right? And if you've got a theory of action, you're like, well, you know what? I could do A, A, and I think it could lead to B and then C, right? But you don't have a path all the way to G. You're kind of starting out, but there's a gap there, right? So you can track some stuff, but you don't know if it's if it's actually connected up with the goal. With the theory of change thinking, when you've got goal G. You said in order to get to G, we need to get to F. In order to get to F, we need to get to E. And we're, work all the way backwards to A. You've got a theory, you've got a path to your goal, right? Metrics are the way of figuring out if your theory is actually right, if your theory is actually working, right? And measuring your progress and th- figuring out if you need to, 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 to change. So I remember, um, uh, I guess I, I, did, I didn't mention when introducing myself at the, at the beginning, you know, I'm the Eastern Outreach Director for CCBR. I, I work on staff at CCBR now. Um, I joined staff in 2016. And uh, before I joined staff, it's uh, when I was with U of T Students for Life here, and I attended CCBR's crash course. And I remember after Jonathan Van Maren's strategy presentation, I asked him about the testimonies. I said, well, the plural of anecdote isn't data. Like, how do we know this works at scale, and this is right around the point that CCBR was uh, commissioning the polling and the independent statistical analysis to actually measure the changes in public opinion when we employ AVP. And um, that's a huge part of inspiring and motivating people out and having a sense of mission because um, it's not, it's like, it doesn't stop at the theory level. Metrics are how you figure out that it actually works in practice. So when you actually measure the shift in public opinion, you say, okay, there's, there's something correct about this theory if it's actually working to shift public opinion. And then at a local level, you know, I, I remember looking into to, to polling locally. It's, it's hard for, you know, uh, for a campus club or a local organization to maybe poll in the same way that a national organization can. But, you know, taking the, um, the, the statistical evidence of the shift in public uh, opinion, you know, uh, done by uh, CCBR at a national level, and then uh, relying on that data and figuring out, okay, if we know that bringing AVP and apologetics works to change our community, uh, we need to reach everyone. How can we do that? Like the kind of things that we started tracking with UFT Students for Life, or eventually it grew into the Toronto Against Abortion Project, uh, you know, was the number of hours of activism, uh, and, and the numbers of volunteers we had engaged, like the things that we needed in order... Uh, to reach people with the things that we knew would change minds and um you know to 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 notice that growth to grow from a team of you know 10 to 20 to 30 to, to to grow from uh you know doing one hour of activism a week to six hours of activism a week and uh you know to 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 set short-term goals to be like okay here's where we're at now uh we, we know what we need to do we know we need to do more of it um you know, what's, what's the next step to be able to increase that goal, right, to, to, to track the kinds of things that are necessary. Um, I, so I, in, in, my, in my work as a technologist, um, uh, I used to, to, to write a little bit for this blog, uh, uh, Techdirt, and there was a, a blog post from the founder who influenced my thinking in a whole bunch of ways, but one of them was on metrics and, and on the importance of tracking the right metrics. Because the danger with metrics, like, you know, uh, Uh, Step one is you don't track metrics. You just do stuff and hope it's going to work. Step two is you're like, oh, I'm tracking metrics now. Now I know what I'm doing, right? But the danger is tracking the wrong metric, right? Just because you're measuring something doesn't mean you're measuring the right thing. I remember I learned that from the founder of TechDirt, really articulating it in a great way. And um, with the theory of action, the problem is you can set up metrics, but without a clear path to your goal, you can't be sure that you're actually measuring the right thing. You, You don't actually have a complete vision of how it's all supposed to work together. With the theory of change you get you get a complete vision and you track metrics along the way to make sure that your theory is working in practice so it's an essential part of what you're doing even if as a local group there's only certain things you can track when you track them with that theory of change perspective an intentional way you can be sh- you, you can have more confidence that you're tracking the right things the things that actually matter to reach the goal and to figure out if it's actually working
0: yeah no that's that's great i love that i love the intentionality of this and uh that's something that's inspired me while i've been here at ccbr and and listened to uh some of the things that you say really how it's not crisis driven as you mentioned but vision driven and by way of analogy i'm thinking of that analogy that you had used uh in previous days where you talked about a wildfire big wildfire uh and so one one of the questions that we have going into this wildfire is, do we really want this wildfire to to end to stop burning? Uh, and so, if we do, then we think about strategies that we can utilize uh, that will actually you know slow the fire down and then stop it. Uh, and then one of the analogies you brought up is if we're just doing a theory of a theory change of action, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, it's action. like getting yeah. a you know a little bucket from your uh, your child's sandbox or a squirt gun or something like that, and and you know that's not that's what I mean. Yeah. Sorry. Apologize. Yeah. Theory of action is, um, okay. I have this crisis in front of me. I need to respond. What can I do in the moment? And so you, you, you know, you, you go to your, your sandbox, you get that, that bucket and you, you run back and forth. Um, but that doesn't actually do anything to the wildfire, uh, because you're not actually looking at the vision uh, of your goal of what your goal is and trying to figure out, you know, what, what do I need to do to actually end this? And so the same thing, we have to ask ourselves, um, when we're doing work fighting abortion, do I actually want to see abortion end in my community, in my city, uh, in my province, in my country? And if so, then what are some strategies, you know, that we can utilize to actually work towards the end of abortion? And as you mentioned, you know, Cam mentioned earlier as well. Um, that's extremely exp- inspiring for not just us here at CCBR, but for also also for those who are joining uh, the movement. Um, even just in a small university club, uh, in a small community group, to know that they are actually doing something um, that's causing great change.
2: Yeah, I I use that wildfire analogy for the culture of death because we're facing a widespread complex problem, right? 100,000 children are killed by abortion every year in Canada. Uh, Abortion is the leading cause of death in Canada. It's it's the leading cause of death globally. If you look look at the stats of leading cause of death, it usually doesn't list abortion. Compare that to the abortion rate, and abortion on any chart that I've looked at would slide in at number one. as a leading cause of death, right? We've got this widespread problem where society widely accepts this human rights violation, and so many people are dying. So it's a complex problem. It's not simple. And we need effective strategy in order to actually put the fire out. And um, this this wildfire uh, image has... Uh, f- factored into my journey on pro-life strategy for over 10 years. In that original CCBR strategy document that I remember uh, reading back in my undergrad days, uh, it uses the analogy of a forest fire, a wildfire, in terms of the need for a variety of different specialized methods in order to put the fire out. You know, no one thing's going to work, we need uh, effective things that work together and uh, actually put the fire out. And then, um, uh, you know, as I, as I encounter this theory of change, theory of action thinking, you know, as, as, as you mentioned, like I, I, I guess I was frustrated by, by some of the theory of action approaches. And the best way I could summarize it is just, you know you can't walk up to a wildfire with a water gun, right? You, you have to have serious and effective methods that are actually gonna put the fire out. And then during um, the Pro-Life Week of Action in 2018, so the Pro-Life Week of Action is a project that CCBR and Toronto Right to Life run uh, every March break when there isn't a pandemic to bring high school students to the greater Toronto area to give them a week of training and an opportunity to, um, to actually engage in pro-life outreach on university campuses and change hearts and minds of people. It's so inspiring to see you know, grade 11, grade 12 students change the minds of third and fourth year students at university with just a few hours training. But anyways, we're at the Pro-Life Week of Action, and I'm uh, driving down the Don Valley Parkway on my way to Ryerson on, on our final day, of activism for the week and i'm giving a theory of change presentation at the end of that day and i'm listening to a a 99 invisible podcast on the way down and it's this episode called built to burn about forest fires and they tell the story of jack cohen jack cohen in 1980 was a, a grad student um who was uh working uh on forest fires and the issue of of uh Sorry, he was, he was a few years out of grad school, but he was working on, you know, studying forest fires and trying to protect homes. And in this podcast, they explain how, like, the predominant method of the day, you know, they, they just kept throwing more and more fire trucks at these wildfires, right? And, uh, you know, there were tapes from the recordings and from interviews at, at the time of this really bad wildfire in 1980, where the fire chiefs, like, you know, it would be nothing short of, like, like the only way we could have saved these homes would, would have been with a miracle, right like we just kept throwing the fire trucks having to move another block down For, like more fire trucks another block down like there's no amount of fire trucks we could have had that could have saved these homes and jack cohen instead of taking this theory of action thinking instead of saying well how could we get more fire trucks he's like well why are the homes burning down and he started noticing they were catching on fire before the fire actually got there it was embers that were blowing and catching fire to the trees and the roofs so we started taking a totally different approach working backwards from the goal of trying to save homes from the forest fire. It wasn't just how can we get more water to put the fire out? How can we just, you know, brute force it? It was, um, well, hold on a second, maybe like it's the homes with the wooden roofs that were burning, not the ones with steel roofs, or it's the homes with trees that were like a certain distance from the houses. So they started, he started advocating, you know, for, for, for different building codes of having steel roofs in these areas of, of planting the trees at a certain distance from the home so that if they got caught, caught fire, the house wouldn't come down with it, right? And just taking a totally different approach, that is a vision-driven theory of change kind of approach. So this, this, this forest fire analogy has come up for me in lots of different ways in you know, dealing with a complex problem and being intentional and vision-driven and coming up with solutions. And I think it's really apt because the culture of death is a massive widespread problem and it doesn't mean it's not solvable. It means that we need to think carefully about employing the most effective strategies, about being vision driven and uh you know working out what must be done in order to put the fire out totally and and so bearing that in mind then let,
1: let's talk um application let's talk application for our listener who might be running a, a local pro life club whether at their campus or whether in in their community and and this is the first thing they've ever heard of theory of change they've They've been doing a bunch of good activism um, they've been tabling they've been doing AVP they've been doing lots of different events at their local churches that kind of thing where Where do they start? How does somebody implement a theory of change within their community? What questions do they ask? What steps do they take?
2: A first step is starting to ask like the real uh why questions the They're kind of not just doing things because you've always done them that way, but to start to ask okay like what is our goal? Like, what is our vision, right? Like, what, what's, what would need to be achieved in order for our organization to have, you know, no reason to exist anymore? Like, what's the ultimate vision that we're trying to bring about? And, uh, and then what's our mission? Like, what, uh, what part are we trying to play in achieving the vision? And then what's our strategy? Okay, well, how are we trying to carry out that mission? And you work backwards from vision to mission to strategy on to actual goals and tactics and uh, you know starting as a local group to to, to being like so why why do we exist so for example at at uft with with students for life we started asking these questions okay hold on like what is our purpose it's not just to be a place where pro-lifers come to hang out it's not just to like reach some people on our campus uh you know we started looking at the pastoral political and educational arms of the pro-life movement right so the pastoral that seeks to help people facing crisis, the political um, that, uh, you know, seeks to change the laws to defend human rights and law and the educational that seeks to change public opinion. And um, you know, we figured, well, our primary focus should be educational. You know, on a university campus, I think that's, that's uh, it, uh, the, the thing that is most needed, especially because s- uh, political support for pro-life laws, uh, you have to change hearts and minds. Uh, in order for people to want to support pro-life laws and uh, you need to make abortion unthinkable if people are going to accept help through a difficult pregnancy instead of going to an abortion clinic to get out of it right so we we realized okay our our real focus needs to be to educate the campus you know and who's our target audience like who are we trying to reach well we're trying to reach you know the average student who may not who may be pro choice by default Hasn't really made up their mind like we're not trying to reach the activists on the other side our primary arg- audience isn't other pro-lifers it's that kind of mushy middle the people who are persuadable on the issue right so asking those basic questions just why are we here what are we doing what's our purpose so i, I volunteer as the vice president of toronto right to life i've been on the, on the board for for a decade And uh, when we were going through a lot of the same change, trying to implement a theory of change, I remember uh, saying at one point in time, at Toronto Right to Life, human life is sacred, but nothing else is. Like, question anything else around here. Obviously, I'm exaggerating, but, you know, the point is question anything else, right, about what we're doing and why we're doing it. You know, to ask, are we actually achieving our goal and how are we doing it, right? So just, I guess, my my first point is just be, ask those basic questions, just why are we here, and reevaluate everything you're doing in line with those questions. And the second thing I would say is, don't reinvent the wheel. I, I don't think that a local organization necessarily needs to come up with a strategy. But I think if you start asking those questions, then you can start looking and you can recognize it. So um, you mentioned uh, Scott Newland <laughs> right now earlier, and uh, you know I'm I'm not uh, I'm not terribly active in politics. My grandmother once said I was really political, and I said, Really? And she's and, and I was like, is it just because I'm suing the federal government over Canada Summer Jobs that you think I'm really political? Like I, I guess I guess I'm active in, in, in some ways, but like I don't consider myself a very political person. I, I said a few years ago I, I wouldn't be caught dead joining the political party. And then um and then I've joined several, and Scott Hayward helped to change my mind because when asking these questions and looking at, okay, what's effective pro-life political strategy, um, I could recognize that theory of change style thinking with the work that right now is doing. Whether or not they ever use the term, I don't know, but I could see that pattern because they work backwards from the goal. They're saying, all right, and abortion. Part of what we need to do is to to change the law, to make abortion illegal, to establish human rights for all human beings. If we're going to pass a pro-life law, we need to have a majority of pro-lifers in the legislature. If we're going to have a more a majority of, of pro-life legislators, we need to elect a majority of, of pro-life legislators, which means we need to nominate candidates and then we need to go out and volunteer for those, right? So by the time you get back to an action, working backwards from the goal, by the time you get back to an action that you can actually take, as an individual volunteer, being like, what can I, like, like, like me, being, what can I do as an individual whose focus isn't politics? What can I do that's effective? I am looking for that intentional theory of change strategy, and I see it in an organization like right now, so I can look at their theory of change and then take some simple actions, right? Oh, well, I'll sign up for this political party and vote in the leadership election or I'm gonna go and volunteer for my local pro-life candidate in the next election, right? So I can take those actions uh, without coming up with my own theory of change, but by asking those questions and recognizing the difference between a theory of change and a theory of action, I can do my local part to participate in a theory of change, right? So I would say a local organization doesn't need to reinvent the wheel. You don't need to come up with the plan necessarily. You need to, like, I, I would say, look to you know, other organizations that are doing the work and look for which ones have the most effective strategy that that have done that work to map the plan backwards from the vision all the way to actions and then see how you can participate and do your local part in that plan.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. When I when I think about this really, really clearly uh, for for Cam's question of, of the community groups, you're not saying that, you know, shy away from a, a bunch of actions that might not uh, seem to have great immediate effect at this moment. You know, a bad choice, Jane, perhaps, or uh, a, a short postcarding shift, or whatever you, whatever it might be, um, but when you're doing these actions, make sure that they're part of a a, a goal. To make sure they're they're aiming towards a vision, not just to to be out there and to talk to people about abortion, but to actually see real change happening in the community that you're in. So, thank you so much for that, uh, Blaze. I'm just uh, thinking as we close this off. Is there anything final that you think would be pertinent to add
2: uh, as we end this episode here? Yeah, well, just when you said, uh, on what you said there about actions, you know, it, again, it's, it's not that actions don't matter, right? But it's that um, our starting point isn't what actions can we do because sometimes we end up starting off in the wrong direction. Like we might pick an action that could by accident be the right one or could be the wrong one, right? Um, actions obviously matter at the end, but the key is working backwards from the goal so that by the time we're deciding on an action to take. It's part of a bigger plan. It's part of a long-term vision, right? So if it's something that doesn't show results right away, um, uh, you know, if you're, if you're taking a theory of action approach, um, it might be hard to know how to figure out if that's worthwhile or not, right? Like a, like a bad choice chain or you know, outreach and nobody changed their mind that day or something, right? But when you've got that theory of change kind of thinking, when it's part of a bigger plan. And, and when you're measuring it with metrics along the way, right, you can have the confidence that the actions you're taking will make a difference, will actually lead towards the goal, will have the biggest impact possible. We'll, we'll have the rather, we'll have the necessary impact, right? So that um, so that when we take action, it's actually in the service of doing what needs to be done. Actions essential but actions that are linked to the goal are what is most effective. And I've, I've seen the difference for pro-life strategy and I've seen the difference, uh, throughout my life and any other area of my life. When I, when I catch myself taking that theory of action approach and be like, ah, hold on, let's work backwards from the goal. You know, I, I notice that it makes me more effective in what I'm doing. So just that, that connecting our actions to the goal is just, uh, so key, so that we can be intentional and confident when we do take action.
0: And you, uh, I, as you mentioned earlier, are the Eastern Outreach Director here in Ontario, and you work very closely with a lot of uh, university and college groups. You work closely with a lot of local groups. So, if there's a, a, a leader uh, in Ontario, and and I, I don't know if Cam, if you're, if you have someone in the West, but uh, if there's someone in Ontario uh, or in the East, anywhere in the East really of Canada that wants to 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 connect with you, to get to know more. Is there a way that we can reach you, Blaze, to to hear a little bit more and to help just have a conversation about how we could get our local group started up and and working?
2: Yeah, so in Eastern Canada, so Ontario and eastwards, I am the contact right now for any community groups. So we've got lots of community groups throughout Southwestern Ontario. Uh, For example, you know, London Against Abortion, Windsor Against Abortion. Uh, There's lots of uh, Hamilton Against Abortion, a really active group. So uh, uh, if you're interested in finding your local group you can go to endthekilling.ca and under about our locations there's a map of all the community groups that are running CCBR projects and if you're in a community that doesn't have a group already feel free to reach out to me just endthekilling.ca go to the contact and uh, it'll be redirected to me if it's about Ontario community group or a community group in eastern Canada Um, for for campus groups there are just campus groups uh, in Toronto that work with the Toronto Against Abortion Project but Um, What what I work with is other community groups um, uh, who are bringing, who who are doing their local part to uh, end the killing, their local part to, to implement this theory of change in their own community. So feel free to reach out to me through endthekilling.ca. the contact there. Cool, and, and I'll build on to that for Western
1: Canada. Um, as some of you probably already know, I'm the Western Outreach Director. I, I try to do Blaze's job in Western Canada out here. And yeah, for community groups in Western Canada, uh, Manitoba, towards all the way to Victoria. I'm sure there's Tofino is probably the furthest west you can get in Contact Me, same same route that Blaze had suggested going to our website. Um, and just a quick shout out to a couple of colleagues that we've had that have put together a lot of great resources for that. Um, Megan and Oriana have put a ton of work towards um, that a couple of years ago, and it's still proving to be very, very valuable in helping not only establish groups, um, but also help build up existing groups who want to implement a theory of change um, in in their community. And so there's a lot of resources that we already have available at CCBR that can help you um, with wherever your group is at, whether you're starting it um, as soon as you listen to this episode, whether you've already been involved in it for decades already. There's a lot of resources available. Blaze
2: and I are ha- happy to help as well. And, and that's something to think about. Yeah, for sure. And uh, one other thing that I want to mention uh, – if you're interested in learning more about pro-life strategy and having discussions like this through the Toronto Against Abortion Project, we've been running webinars since COVID. Um, we've taken a lot of our seminar training online and uh, you don't have to be in Toronto to participate. Um, so we've had people join from across the country and from a few other countries as well. So if you're interested, we're going to be restarting webinars in the coming weeks. You can go to torontoagainstabortion.org webinars and sign up for the uh, email list if you want to participate in further uh, pro-life training. There's a lot of people from community groups uh, who join these webinars, and we have great discussions and and go in more depth on some of these topics on pro-life strategy and apologetics.
0: Sweet. Thank you for that. We will put those links in the show descriptions, so if you haven't written them down, you can check the show notes, and uh, and you can find them there. Blaze, thank you so much for joining us, sir. It was great to have you on.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for the work you guys are doing on the podcast. It's great to listen to it, and 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 my son, I started listening to a couple of the episodes with uh, my son in grade four in the car, and uh, he was excited to hear uh, Vanessa Auden, who spent a lot of time in the Scarborough office and got to know my family and kids, and and uh, he was asking me a couple a couple days later, yeah, if I've listened to the other episodes or not yet, because he didn't want to he 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 didn't want to miss them, and he asked me when I was going to be on because he was excited to hear me on there too. So you've got some young fans as well. <laughs> oh,
0: that's so good to hear. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for sharing.
2: Take care, Blaze. Thanks for having me.
0: Bye. All right, everyone. That was the one, the only Blaze Elaine. We are so happy to have him on. Uh, not only the show today, but we're also super thankful that he's on our team, that he's on our side, and that we get to join the fight against abortion with him here in Canada. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure working with Blaze. If you haven't had that opportunity, as we talked about, uh, to get involved and to have that have that opportunity to work with Blaze, uh, you can do that. As we mentioned, uh, go to endthekilling.ca. Uh, in the get active, I believe tab. Uh, we'll like I said earlier, we will put that in the show notes. My name is Peter. That's Cam. We're about to peace out before Cam has one more thing to say.
1: Oh, I, I usually have something to say. Just want to encourage everyone to consider how you can apply this to your group. Obviously the the whole point of us having incredible guests like Blaze come on is not so that we have an hour of our time filled up because we're super bored. We got a ton of stuff on our plate. We're doing this so that you can improve the work that you're doing so that you can continue to save lives and transform our culture. And so I hope that something from from Blaze's um, episode here has inspired you to ask critical questions of how you are um, approaching your pro-life outreach, how you're tracking your pro-life outreach, what kinds of questions you're asking, because that's what we're all in this for. I know that there's lots of groups that say it, that we want to end abortion in our lifetime. Um, and one of these lifetimes, um, we we got to do it, right? Like we got to do it um, as quickly and as efficiently and as effectively as possible because there's human lives hanging in the balance. And so we ask ourselves critical questions every. Every day, I'd, I'd like to say at CCBR asking, is what we're doing the most effective thing that we could possibly be doing? Is what we're doing right now leading towards that ultimate goal of transforming our society? And I want to encourage each and every one of you and the groups that you're involved with to consider doing the exact
0: same. Yes, absolutely. Go get involved, everyone. Uh, there is a great injustice justice happening around us. And it is up to us to get involved. My name is Peter. Like I said, that's Cam. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we hope you tune in again next time. Take care. You're looking at me funny.
1: No, sorry. I was just thinking of that idea for the cartoons. Oh. <laughs> sorry. You wearing a t-shirt that says so psyched. Am me wearing a t-shirt that says even more psyched? Nice.
0: <laughs> All right, that's gonna end. Maddie's just watch. Maddie's gonna put that at the very end, like yeah, <laughs> after the final sound. Yeah.
1: Yep. Nice.